fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Ho, yo, ho, a scary tale for me. And, da, 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 da. and with that, this and week's theme is... How does the rest of that song go? I don't know. That's all I know. Mm-hmm, nah, 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 really bad eggs, drink up, be hot as you Pirate's life for me. You got kind of like the, the poppy version of that. Our theme this week is pirates. Just pirates. Pirates in general. Not one in particular. No. Well, we already did Peter Pan. So mm-hmm. we already did we already Captain talked about Hook. Hook. But we could relate that back. Captain Hook's probably inspired by all pirates. Oh, for sure. And we do. We talk about all the pirates. You know, the Caribbean. or Do you say Caribbean or Caribbean? It just depends on the day. I say pirates of the Caribbean. But if, but maybe, if I'm talking about the place, I say the Caribbean. The Caribbean. Yeah, I might like, do that I don't too. say... They vacationed in the Caribbean. I said they went to the Caribbean. That's anyway. true. I just got back from Semantics. Disney World and we read every ride one time, but we read Pirates twice. Ooh. Fun fact, Pirates of the Caribbean, there is this legend that one of the workers one day when they were fixing something in the ride, they were on the scaffolding and they fell off and died and his name's George. And if they don't go in in the morning and say hello to George, the ride will malfunction all day. So every time I'm on the ride, you're like, hey, George. I'm just like, hey, George. How are you doing, George? Let's keep this train moving. Yeah. That kind of makes me think of our uh, true crime we have. Yes. Yes. Wow. But anyway, today today we're talking about pirates. I love pirates. We all know I love Johnny Depp. I know more about pirates now than I ever thought there was to know. So you probably should just go back and watch the movies. I almost watched the movies last night, or one of them, not all of them. Because I also found out. You know, I guess at first I was a little bit upset, like Kira Knightley being a pirate, where I was just like, whatever. There were female pirates. There were, and we're going to talk about that today. They, I don't think they were as pretty and feminine as she was. No, but, definitely not. But anyway, yeah, I found that out too. But yeah. So, pirates. A little history of pirates. We don't have a, a movie to review for you other than... No, just... I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean, go watch it. Right. Uh, the English word for pirate, talk a little bit about some language here, is derived from a Latin term, uh, pirata, which means a sailor or a sea robber, uh, from the Greek word pirates, which literally means one who attacks ships. That makes sense. Yeah. So their their name is exactly what they are. Piracy as a, as a thing is an act of robbery, criminal violence, or other warlike act that is committed at sea by private parties that are not affiliated with any government which gets complicated because there are there are some that were affiliated which this kind of blew my mind too um there is something called a privateer Mm -hmm. so just to kind of distinguish between those two things pirates operated in search of like money and riches for their own 
gain or whatever. Mm-hmm. Privateers were government sanctioned parties that fought at sea or, you know, robbed and pillaged, but they were only targeting hostile countries. So a, a pirate would attack any ship because it was any ship, but a privateer, if, you know, the British and the Spanish were fighting, they would attack Spanish ships mm-hmm. in the exact same way a private would, or a pirate would attack a ship, but because it was a enemy, the government was like, yeah. Because it was for king and country, they were yep. called a privateer. Also just had a idea that just came up upon my brain, and that is that we should uh, dress up looking supposedly like pirates for Halloween, and people come up and like, oh, I love your pirate costume. We're, you're like, we're, pri- I, pff, we're privateers. Pri- yeah, privateer. I'm a privateer. For know king your and, stuff. For king and country. So pi- pirates and privateers, uh, two different things. Honestly, they did the same thing, just one was allowed and one wasn't. Mm-hmm. Whatever, gray area. Piracy came into existence shortly after the creation of the first like organized naval trading company, which was around the second century BC. So it's been around for a while, but it grew more and became like popular in the public. (laughs) (laughs) Bless you. In all of our time podcasting, that's never never happened before. I'm just leaving it in. Okay. You're welcome. What does that mean? What? I think it means bless you in German. All right. Wrong, wrong genre, wrong, wrong theme. <laughs> anyway, second century BC, it became more popular um, to the public once the New World was discovered and trade routes were established to India. So obviously, that's just when more sea travel became popular, I guess, or like public, publicly popular. Mm-hmm. Some of the first times that pirates were mentioned, like in historical records and things were describing raids of sailors in the Mediterranean Sea in 1400 to 1200 BC. Mm-hmm. So kind of inching up a little bit and in time. And that's where our true crime story came from today is the Mediterranean Sea. But but not in the 1400s. No. Yeah. We, we got you a more relevant one than that. Nope. Uh, during these ancient times, uh, Roman trade and military ships were frequently attacked by these pirate fleets, which were um, operating from their bases in the Adriatic Sea. So... They were just they were attacking the big dogs, the they, big names. They were, and they and the pirates themselves, their their boats weren't even the big, you know. They no. they had the smaller smaller boats that were more like in the movies they have the big grand fancy boats. That's not it. But that's not they it. They had little bitty boats that went fast. Yeah, they needed like agility, mm-hmm. speed, sleuth, like mm-hmm. they needed things like that. Another famous example of ancient pirates comes from Cilicia. They uh managed to capture and this is a name you would probably recognize we'll give you a bunch of names you might recognize but they managed to capture roman emperor julius caesar on one of their raids you might know him you might know him again they're, they're going after some big names they they did i mean some of them i mean some of these groups would just attack anyone and everyone and then some of them were a little bit more like they would choose who they would attack and they would only attack the people who were enemies. But mm-hmm. it, was, it was kind of flip a coin. I mean, if you saw a boat, you didn't, you didn't try, you didn't try to figure out, are they pirates or privateers? Cause you just, right. either, either way, your odds weren't, weren't going to be great. They just go big or go home. They did. Pirates. Or they, they went big or they died trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in terms of the Caesar, as the story goes, the capture was a minor inconvenience for Caesar. Uh, but it was bad for the pirates. It was like bad luck for them. Um, from the very start, Caesar just was not 
gonna act like a captive caesar no, was just he's julius he's, he's caesar. yeah he's julius caesar when the pirates told him that they had set a ransom for him at the sum of 20 talents which i don't really know what that me either equates to today but he laughed at them uh for not knowing like i guess they didn't realize who they captured i'm sure they realized they captured somebody important important but not julius caesar important right he literally laughed at them and like suggested that 50 talents would be more appropriate he's like 20 dollars it's like, definitely worth people 50. Will pay, people will pay 50 for me. Right. Just go ahead and... Which you just made... a lesson in business. Well, yeah. I mean, he just made his own ransom more challenging. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Then, he then sent his entourage out to gather the money um, and to pay for him. I guess the, the money he, he just raised for himself from 20 mm-hmm. to 50. And settled in for his captivity i mean he was just like he was just chilling he was just cool ordering uh, he was like ordering them around and the, i'm huh. sure the pirates were just like oh, what no. have we, what have we done like <laughs> what or who is who the heck is this because you know he's calm he's like raising his own ransom price he doesn't seem i know, just imagine like liam neeson being captured by a pirate i will find you i will and find I will kill you, you and i will raise your 20 from a 50 yeah um he, yeah he just kind of made himself at home uh he apparently bossed them around he um would tell them to be quiet when he wanted to sleep he would give them speeches and read them poems that he was writing I and mean, he just kept doing his his job i mean i, I, just I imagine, imagine that was the most torturous part was like you're gonna listen to this poem i wrote or, or it, like, i'm picturing like his speeches like yeah. all these famous like julius caesar moments that we studied mm-hmm. you know in history where it's like was this the one written on a boat yep could have been uh, he like would berate berate them uh, and and mock them if as Ill, as being illiterate. Um, I mean, he was just good for you, Caesar. He's a boss. Taking taking a bad situation and just flipping it around on them. Mm-hmm. He would, however, uh, he did kind of partake in some of their activities. He would participate in some of their games and exercises, but he always played as if he were in charge and if they were his subordinates. Mm-hmm. Now I just want to do a whole episode on Julius Caesar. Right. Come in to a podcast near you. Uh, he eventually was uh, set free after 38 days. Yeah. His ransom was paid. And after 38 days, he was like, well, guys. It's been real. It's been nice. I'll see Honestly, you. he just treated this as if he were on like a Caribbean cruise. Uh-huh. Good man. Yep. They brought him, brought him little drinks with umbrellas in umbrellas them. Umbrellas in them. Yep. I, let me say this. You can hear this chair creaking and you can hear the birds chirping outside. And I'm pretty sure you can hear the air conditioning. That's what you get here. Well, that just makes it sound like we're on a boat. Oh my goodness! We're Wait in it. we're in the the deck. Mm-hmm. It sounds like we're inside of a seashell. That's fitting for this episode. We'll let it go. We'll let it slide. A few centuries later, fifteenth century, uh, trade had increased between Europe and India, which means this whole new wave of piracy kind of increased as the trade increased. The prime attack of many pirates became these quote-unquote treasure fleets, which it wasn't actually like treasure like we are picturing or that Hollywood depicts. It was just trade, you know, boats that had a ton of trade on them. Mm-hmm. They were carrying these like newly discovered items of wealth from ports of Spain and Portugal and England. So really not... easy targets, I would assume. Yeah, and they're the big boats. They're like the big, you know, big cargo type boats not Mm -hmm. these quick speedy ships that the pirates had um obviously this created a lot of hostility between these countries 
because some of them are encouraging privateers. So again, remember the privateers are the ones who are government sanctioned. So some like countries and states are sponsoring these privateers and these they're sending these people out to do the raiding and destroying. Mm-hmm. And they're 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 writing it off as like a war tactic. Like mm-hmm. a it was like during a time of war you're allowed to raid and pillage you gotta and do plunder what you, these boats. Yeah, as long as it's against do. the enemy and it, it helps them. Mm-hmm. Then there's this whole and I well, I'm like, why did we not study this in school? Why not? We could have had Pirate Day. I think they a, have that now. There was a golden age of piracy, which I had never heard of that. Sounds nice. Why didn't we study that? That would have been so much fun. Uh, this was between the 1650s and 1730s. Golden age of piracy. This was when large amounts, like the highest amount of large organized pirate fleets, were constantly raiding these trade routes in the Caribbean, Caribbean, whatever you say. Uh, West Africa, the Red Sea, India, all those areas, highly trafficked for trade, so also highly trafficked for pirates. Um, and then they started getting like published in like news. I mean, like what was then what, what was, was the then their then? version of news or media? Yeah, so they kind of became these big like stories. Um, and they were kind of idolized in a way when in reality they lived really short. Oh, yeah. Horrible lives. Yeah, but they were glamorized. Yeah. I mean, I guess a lot like the way we glamorize pirates today as being adventurous and, like, rich, but their money ran out super quick and mm-hmm. their lifespan was super Because they were spending sp- on booze and women and... Yeah, and then they were getting hurt because they were just doing all these super risky things and getting shot at all the time. And so I, I was watching a documentary. You would have enjoyed it. I had to turn it off because they were explaining how they would have to amputate like they were way quicker to amputate injuries than they were to be able to treat them because even if they treated them, they were more likely to die of gangrene than mm-hmm. if they just cut the limb off. And that sounds right. In the, in the documentary, they were like, and they cut the flesh like this so that you can, you can wrap it across the stump and you take these oh. arteries and tie it. And I was just like, Bleh. the fact that they even know how to do, knew how to do that at all is. Oh yeah. Cause um, in like modern day medicine, amputations get infected all the time. In like oh, a yeah. sterile environment, so but I that was but that was a better option for them than like gangrene. Yeah. Yikes. Anyway, yeah. Some of we're going to tell you some of the most notable pirates, um, some famous names here, uh, but they were just they were notable mainly because of like the fear that they would I'm sure inflict in people and just the you know devastation to the trade community to di- different like naval ports I mean they obviously became famous for a reason mm-hmm. notorious one might say yes notorious one might say so we have a couple for you you might have heard of a couple well, of these I do think I do think most people would have heard of two of these we're going to show you mm-hmm. we're going to share the top three we think of course the woman one you probably haven't heard of no hashtag and, feminism but, right so do you want to tell us about blackbeard you want me to say it I'm just, you want me to do it i'm just throwing it out blackbeard. there you want to talk about blackbeard <laughs> um i sure can okay so everybody i'm sure knows blackbeard he's in the pirates of the caribbean caribbean movies his real name was actually edward teach which, which i get why you went by blackbeard <laughs> yeah that doesn't really spark fear no. um they think he was born in 1680. Record keeping was horrible back then, so I'm that sure was he just carried, a guesstimate. I'm sure he carried a copy of his birth certificate with him. Everyone knew him as a very large man with, quote, fierce and wild eyes. And he was most, uh, well, he was his image was known for keeping three pistols braced across his chest, and he wore a tall fur cap on his head. He sounds like Paul Bunyan. 
that sounds like Paul Bunyan, <laughs> the, but whatever. The pirate version of Paul Bunyan. Most notably, he would weave hemp into his long beard, black beard, and he would light it on fire. So he he when he appeared to people, he was yeah. just this tall uh, figure that had smoke coming out from his face and hat. I imagine he just smelled like a big old well, doobie I'm coming sure down the he, I'm sure stream. He, probably. And I'm sure he just looked like straight out of Hades. Yeah. Because, yeah, like I heard he would put him in his hat, too, mm-hmm. and there would just be, like, flames around his head. Like, and he probably already smelled on oh, top yeah. of that. And Not sure how his beard didn't catch on fire, but yeah, it's fine. He was originally thought to be a privateer for the British during the War of the Spanish Succession, which was 1701 to 1713. And he was first heard of as a pirate in late 1716. Because I imagine if a lot of these people start off as privateers, and then if you, like, you're like, all right, the war's over, privateering yeah. is done. What are all these guys supposed yo-ho, to do? Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for I, me. I mean, like, it's not like they're gonna like go back to the islands and you kinda, start. You don't. You kind of. It's like when. What do they say? Once you go to the south, you never go back. Or once you pass the Mason Dixon line, it's kind of like that. Yeah. But if you want, you're a once pirate. You, once you're you a pirate, you there's can't no go back. going back from yeah. that. The following year, he converted a captured French ship. Uh, was a 40-gun warship. This was one of the bigger ones. He converted it into his pirate ship, and he called it Queen Anne's Revenge. And he soon became notorious for just doing crazy pirate stuff along the Virginia and Carolina coast and in the Caribbean Sea. At one point, this is kind of the most famous thing that he did, he completely blockaded the port in Charleston, North Carolina, which I don't know how difficult that is strategically, but it sounds pretty difficult. Yeah. He held a famous magistrate and his child for ransom. And that was kind of the last straw. Uh, yeah. And so the governor of Virginia put a price on his head. And on November 22nd, Blackbeard was defeated. He was killed in the bloody battle of that. Just look, can I say what that looks like? That looks like Ocracoke Island. That's what I was. Ocracoke. That's what I like. it. I, I don't know how any other way you'd say that. According to history, this reminded me of Rasputin, I, I, which we also was, need to do a story on. Okay. I was just thinking, I, it, Blackbeard's story gave me, because he is kind of folklore legend type uh-huh. of thing, and his did his story did remind me of a lot of other stories. Yeah. Well, this one in particular, Rasputin and how they just couldn't kill that mm-hmm. son of a gun. According to history, he was killed after receiving five, not one, not two, not three, not four, five musket ball wounds. <laughs> So he was shot five times and 20 sword lacerations, and he was eventually decapitated. Which, you know, so many monsters and, like, villains are decapitated yeah. in, in classic Medusa stories. last I week. know, which is what, what it made me think of. Mm-hmm. But also, just, like, good for him. Like, I guess the five musket ball wounds and the 20 sword cuts didn't work, and they were, like, off with your head. I know. Just, just Let's just make sure that this guy's dead. We'll chop his head off and call it a day. Yeah. And, well, they got his head and they hung it from the bow of the boat. Uh, Again, kind of Medusa-like. Later, the Virginia governor had the head mounted on a long pike and set it on this river's edge. And that river's edge is now known as Blackbeard's Point. See, and that makes me think of Dracula when he would, like... Yes, impel the things and leave them But that's also, again, like, just in literature, too, like displaying the the head of the enemy is like proof that you did it yeah that's a strong flip but i was about to say but you know when real people do it you're like wow yeah um i found this interesting according to some 
his, you know, his head, his decapitated head went on a journey. It was on the boat. They stuck uh-huh. it on a pike in the river. And then apparently, I guess, after the skin and stuff fell off, his skull was used, you know, the outer part of his skull, as a punch bowl. I'm going to hope that one's... I didn't know they drank punch back then, but I I'm, guess they did. I'm going to hope that one's not true. Apart from his luxurious black beard, which gave him the name... Um, there was also this legend that he had some treasure buried somewhere, but that was never found. Yeah, treasure is not really like a thing. A thing in part. Mm-hmm. A plank, walking the plank's not really a thing. Oh, that we got I fun know. facts later. Like all the thing, all the Hollywood things you think are things, most likely kind of aren't. Yep. The wreck of the Queen Anne's Revenge, however, was discovered off the coast of North Carolina by divers in the mid 1990s. Hundreds of artifacts were recovered from the site in the following decades, uh, which included navigational devices, which I could see that, cannons, and then there were some odd, um, we're going to call them medical tools. And this is what threw me off, because this fact that she's about to tell you came up in more documentaries than Walking the Plank. Yeah. And, I, and I get, I guess but I I'd get never it. heard of it before. No, no, I had never heard of it either. But I think that was the thing is I was like, I could see why. Because once you hear this, you're just like, oh, I could see why Hollywood replaced this, this with, with a plank. plank. Yeah. Well, on board, they found a urethral syringe. Um, if you don't know what your urethra is, <laughs> it's where your urine comes out of. Um, and they found it filled with mercury. And Blackbeard was said to every day stick this syringe up his urethra mm. because it was thought that mercury cured uh, syphilis. Well, it probably, you know, did kill syphilis along with other things, just including all of your, like, just, just you all your organs you. and yeah. you. Um, but they didn't live long enough, I guess, to see the side effects of that anyway. But that, yeah, they had short lifespans. That's something he did. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. No, and. You know, I imagine with a, a pirate lifestyle, you know, there's lots of raiding and pillaging and plundering, and there's lots of women involved. Sewing your oats. Yeah, and, and then they're all on a boat, you know, so right. I'm sure everything just gets passed and spread. Yeah. But yeah, that came up on, literally, that came up more than, than the plank did. Mm-hmm. So. Well, there was also something they found called a pump clyster, which I just hate that those two words don't together. Like that at all. But they would u- get this and shoot fluid into their rectum for faster absorption. The only thing there was one person on um, my strange obsession, whatever that show is called, and they uh-huh. would do that. They would give themselves like coffee, coffee enemas. enemas. Yeah. yeah, and I imagine they could. I don't know what they were doing, but they could have just, just been doing liquor enemas, probably. So, <clears throat> you know, they weren't worried about hydration back then. Right. So. Right. Or eating enough fruit or anything no, like that. Uh-uh. But that that's um, that's Captain Blackbeard. He, he started off as this you. like very scary, uh, foreboding figure, and then we ended up with a pump clyster yeah. and a urethral de- syringe and, and, and a decapitated head. Yep. Who, so, but he's he's one that I, th- I figured people would all know. That they, I think or they that at he least is recognize. the most famous. Yeah. And this next one is most famous probably for another. Yeah, I was about to say probably for a different reason. Yeah. The other one is uh, Captain Henry Morgan. What you know about that? Um, so Henry Morgan. Yeah, I mean, Captain Morgan's the name of a mm-hmm. liquor company. Yep. Which makes sense specifically. Mm-hmm. It's specifically a rum company, I think. Which makes sense uh, with pirates. Uh, most people believe that he was a buccaneer. Which is different than is different both. than a pirate, a pirate and, and a, a privateer. It gets a little bit complicated. Uh-huh. Um, buccaneers apparently were more, I think, more landlocked than 
than the um, pirates. They were they they spent more time on land. Literally, their name comes from the way they. This is like the least intimidating name. <laughs> the way they cooked meat on these like wooden sp- spindle like, type yeah, things, like a like a grill, basically mm-hmm. like a wooden grill, was called a a bukin, a mm-hmm. bukin, and so they became the bukineers. Wow. Bukineers, which I'm like. Maybe the meat was really good. Like, it was real, like the best barbecue like, that's around. That's real intimidating. Those those meat cookers over there. Wow. He. This is also. Um. He was. I think kind of made the island of, um, Tortuga famous. Which, which that's in the movies. Is in the movie. Um. This is where a lot of the outcasts lived. So buccaneers were more of privateers were like government sanctioned. Pirates were a little bit more. You know, I think kind of buccaneers are more of just like an offset of pirates. They are. So, I think they are. Like they're yeah. they're the more outcast. Like for whatever reason, they they don't have their group. I almost kind of picture it as like a um, you know like guerrilla like a guerrilla warfare mm-hmm. tribe, named after the meat that they cooked. Which whatever, they were more attracted to islands because of the livestock, and they would that's where they got a lot of their food. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Jamaica, which was British owned, um, they needed protection from the Spanish. So they hired, and, and the buccaneers were already a problem for them. Yeah. So they thought that they would hire the buccaneers to protect the island, mm-hmm. which was a super famous spot for, I mean, Port Royal was their most like famous spot where the pirates kind of mm-hmm. were involved. So they basically took a problem, hired them to try to like solve it. Right. You know, we give you some land and food and you protect us from the other pirates. Mm-hmm. So Captain Morgan was supposed to be the leader of this. His like origins and early career kind of obscure. Yeah. Again, record keeping, Again, they not didn't, a strong no, suit. They didn't exactly take a lot of notes back then. He was probably a member of an expedition that in 1655 seized Jamaica from the Spanish and then converted it into an English colony. Mm-hmm. All, you know, most people just track him to this specific area. But then he was selected as a commander of the Buccaneers in 1668 so that's kind of when he became more like solidified in the in the records he quickly captured puerto principe which is now it's a place in cuba basically Mm -hmm. he and it was this super famous move this is probably his like most famous story where you know highly outnumbered basically just like did the most risky thing he could think of doing and ended up winning but ended up storming and taking this really well fortified city uh, of Portobello in the Isthmus of Panama. So we're down in the you know Panama area. And he did such a good job that they, you know, gave him recognition and gave him more status. During this whole raid, which this blew my mind, he was said to have used monks and nuns as like human shields. Mm-hmm. So he sent them to cross over the like walls of the forts first so that the people defending the forts wouldn't shoot. And by the time the the monks and nuns had gotten over, the pirates or the buccaneers had also gotten over, and they ended up storming the whole thing. Smart. Savage. Brutal. Also. Yes. Um, by the end of it, 1,500 people died, and he stole what would be in today's time almost $10 million worth of treasure. Ooh, he did the dang thing. He did. I mean, he paid for it because mm-hmm. he was eventually arrested, but <laughs> transported back to London, uh-huh. which it has the potential for him to end the same way as Blackbeard. But he turned that around because of like 
who he was and he was good at what he did and because he was good at what he did in 1674 you know he's transferred back to london king charles ii knighted him Mm -hmm. so we went from captain morgan to sir captain morgan Mm -hmm. and um sent him back out again uh down to jamaica where he was like the deputy governor and um he lived there like a wealthy respected he's the only one that like ended up having like a good life he ended up having like this big plantation and like just owning like all of jamaica Mm -hmm. and wow he really turned that around no beheadings for him Mm. none so there you go so next time i mean so there you go captain henry morgan you're drinking some henry captain morgan captain morgan rum you can remember just think of those poor nuns and monks just about to say he used monks and nuns Mm -hmm. as human shields and the last one we wanted to tell you about today was Chang. I'm not going to say her name right. Chang Sao. Chang Sao. A female pirate. Yes. And I had never heard of any female pirates before Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm. Not like Kira Knightley at all. No. So she was one of the most influential raiders. Uh, she was a... Um, she started her career in a Chinese brothel. Okay. <laughs> she... Or her name means the wife of Chang. Um, she was a former Cantonese prostitute. She married a very powerful uh, man or cosair in their culture. His name was Chang the First in 1801. They, them as a husband and wife team, kind of raised, you know, in the ranks of China's most like famous, formidable pirate armies. Their outfit boasted hundreds of ships, somewhere around 50,000 men. Dang. Uh, they preyed on fishing vessels. They co- all, the, all the coastal villages of southern China, they just... Ravaged. Yeah, pillaged. they just attacked. Her husband died in 1807. But that wasn't the end for Miss Chang. No, Chain. no. She did not just like roll over and, and stop. Uh, she kind of took over the power that... I guess, would have been left to another male. Mm -hmm. His power would have been handed over to, if they don't have a child heir, would have been handed over to someone else in the rankings. Mm -hmm. She kind of elbowed her way into that. She partnered with one of his trusted lieutenants and lover uh, named Chang Pao. And then over the next few years, she just kept doing what they were doing before. She kept plundering her way all the way across Southeast Asia, she assembled a fleet that rivaled many countries' navies. Wow. I mean, so just kept growing things. Like, in a way, like, good for you, you know? If oh, you I mean, were... like, I'm super impressed. Uh-huh. I mean... Impressive, but also... Savage. Yes. Yeah. She also pinned her own kind of code of conduct for her pirates. She which, didn't play around. No, which... And apparently other, I think, more privateers had codes of conducts. Like, they would vote on... Mm-hmm which ships to attack or like they're they had curfew and things right like they, that. so privateers had more of those codes of conduct mm-hmm. than than a lot of the pirates did but i think she too I, I think just being a woman had to set like a stricter code for everyone mm-hmm. rape of female prisoners was punishable by beheading deserters who tried to leave had their ears chopped off mm-hmm. so i mean those were just a couple of her rules which i can see why she would you got if you're a woman you gotta yeah set some strict boundaries her bloody reign 
eventually was, I mean, it made her public enemy number one of the Chinese government for obvious reasons. And then in 1810, the British and Portuguese navies were enlisted to bring her to justice. So, I mean, people, I mean, countries were literally like teaming up against her. Right. You know, you're a big deal and several countries have to get together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have to join their navies together Mm -hmm. to take your little pirate crew down. But rather than just giving in, she avoided this big battle at sea. Mm -hmm. She agreed to surrender her fleet and like kind of lay down things in exchange for the right to keep her all of her riches, which so she was she like, okay, stole. I'll stop. Yeah, I mean, she basically keeping all of this. Yeah, she basically like agreed, kind of like an immunity, like plea. Mm-hmm. So she retired, um, if you can say that, as one of history's most successful pirates. Uh, she apparently like opened a casino, like a gambling house. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Until she died at age sixty nine in eighteen forty four. That's pretty. That's pretty long. For yeah. Her. So she like agreed, I'll stop raiding and pillaging and plundering if you let if you let me keep my money and there won't be a big war. You won't lose any of your soldiers or mm-hmm. you know, in the navy. And then you know, opened a gambling. She struck ring. a hard bargain from a from a brothel to a, a pirate life mm-hmm. to a, gam- a casino. There you go. <laughs> Yep. You probably probably never heard of her. Probably, probably not. won't ever forget about her now. Um, there's other female pirates, but we could save them. There were a lot of other. There were yeah. Lot, there's lots of things, and a lot of them like um, pretended to be like dr- dress up as men. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't know they were female until like way down the road. Right. Like we said, there are no Kira Knightleys. No Kira Knightleys. Now's my favorite part of the day where we just we debunk do, all of Hollywood basically yes. in this. It's you called have, fun pirate facts. You want, to, da, 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 da. you want to do the first one? Shiver Me Timbers. Shiver Me Timbers. You've heard that before. Where did this come from? Well, this phrase is based on real nautical slang and is in reference to the timbers or the wooden support frames of a sailing ship because in heavy seas, ships would be lifted up and pounded down so hard that those wooden frames would shiver and so, um, and that would startle the sailors. So if something scared them, that they would say, shiver me timbers. I like that one. Mm-hmm. I need to start uh, saying that pirate more. Facts. Da, 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 da. Um, another one for you. And I'm, I'm picturing Johnny Depp with this one. Um, when they had those, like, they had their hair kind of like braided or beaded. And uh-huh. they would have those little, little um, long beads you would get if you went to the beach. And yes. you asked, begged your mom to get your hair. Yes. But theirs would be made of wax. Uh-huh. And they would put those in their ears whenever, because they had a lot of like cannons and blasts and yes. stuff. They would stick those in their ears. So I would not recommend that you stick like plastic beads in your ears, mm-hmm. but they would have those wax. at the end of their long hair and it would mm-hmm. be wax. It would plug They were ears. like, we don't care about hygiene. We don't care about our leg amputate, getting amputated, but our hearing, we're going to keep we that. We care about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was another one. You want to do the next one? You want to just alternate yes. some of these? So earlier we were talking about uh, they, you know, did a lot of crazy things, pirates, including probably ending up at brothels, but not always with women because gay marriage, uh, that's not what they called it, but it was very common. Most of these men's, men were only ever around other men, kind of like in prison mm-hmm. situations. And they formed unions referred to as, uh, I can't say that, metalotage. <laughs> Sure, kind of sounds like marriage. Yeah. Um, also, I guess this is where the... Uh, ahoy, uh, oh, matey. Ahoy, matey. Matey lodge. Matey lodge. Anyways, we killed that. They share. They would share property, income, and the French government was so upset by this that they actually, to try and stop this, shipped a bunch of prostitutes to, to Tortuga. Which, because Tortuga is supposed to be one of the worst areas, mm-hmm. you know, and... 
then you know the the country's just like let's just send more not great stuff there to fix whatever not good stuff we don't like that they're doing right and it's just so interesting i, I could imagine i could see, I could that, see it too yeah. yeah this is one of my favorite ones so the eye patches i talked about this earlier when you mentioned costumes a lot of people just automatically assume pirates just lost an eye which again if they had lost an eye in a fight they would mm-hmm. be dead because they would have some sort of infection or gangrene. Right. It was mostly to help with their night vision or whether they're you know, going between night and day or whether they're just going above and below deck because mm-hmm. below deck, it was so dark. It was like being at night. So mm-hmm. they would have one eye covered to keep it night ready. Mm-hmm. And if they went below deck, they would switch it to the other eye. It's very smart. I know it is super smart. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, they, yeah, ha- they have know. two good eyes underneath uh-huh. those patches. Most of them did. Yes. Yep. Uh, most pirates did not bury their treasure because it would be found and picked up and that would defeat the also, purpose. they're at sea 90% of the time. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of just like uh, Hollywood lore. But one of the only pirates known to bury his treasure was Captain Kidd. And in 2015, hundreds of years later, a group of archaeologists reportedly believed that they located part of his missing riches off the coast of Madagascar, in the area of St. Marie Island, divers found a 121-pound bar of silver that is ginormous, um, which may just be a small part of his pirate's booty, as they say. The booty. Fun fact, I, this just came across my mind. My favorite history teacher um, in college, her name was Miss Booty, and they, um, if you were in her homeroom class, they made t-shirts. Wait, was this college or high school? High school. Okay. And yeah. yeah, it makes the yeah. story worse. Yeah. And their shirt said, we want more booty. And I yeah. was very jealous that I was not in her homeroom I class. Heard, I heard they also had shirts that said, we get booty twice a day. If they yes. had her class twice. Because she taught Latin and, and history. Yeah. And if you got her twice, they had, yes, yeah. I forgot I'm about that. I'm not sure how they got away with making those shirts. Uh, you know what? I don't it's know. It's fine. Mm-hmm. My homeroom class was not that, not that cool. Not as cool. Not no. that cool. Uh, this is another one that I really uh, enjoyed. Um, walking the plank was mostly a myth. Like I said, the whole like syphilis thing came mm-hmm. up more than walking the plank did in all this research. Um, the most common form of torture was called kneel or keel hauling. This sounds horrible. Which sounds honestly worse than walking the plank. But they would tie a person under the ship and they would scrape them along the bottom of the ocean where they would basically just be like sliced up into barnacles. It's like how they used to drag, like they would drag people behind a horse Mm -hmm. and tie you up to a horse and drag you. This was the pirate version. So there would be a long wooden plank that they would like tie you to and scrape Mm -hmm. you along the bottom of the ocean, but they didn't make you walk it. Mm -hmm. I'd rather walk the plank. Right. To be honest. Than that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots of pirates are, you know, pictured in movies and stuff with earrings, but they weren't just trying to be fashionable because I imagine these pirates could care less about fashion. Uh, according to the National Geographic, sailors believed that applying pressure to the earlobe would ward off seasickness. And in many cases, the pirates would accomplish this by, you know, just popping on an earring. Which, I mean, you've seen like when people go on cruises, yeah, they have copper those, bracelet, like, or, band, yeah, those, those like, band bands things, or whatever yeah. that cause pressure. Interesting. Uh, Because pirates lived on ships, uh, keeping large pets like dogs or monkeys, because those were apparently Mm -hmm. common animals back then, would have been more difficult. So this is why they opted for parrots. Mm -hmm. They were more sensible and strategic, you know, being out at sea. Um, Back home, people would actually pay good money for parrots because they were seen as like these exotic creatures. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of sailors could easily buy them in these Caribbean ports 
take them back home and take them back home sell and them. sell them yeah i also imagine just you know they're easier to they're smaller they're easier to take care of than yeah. like a dog mm-hmm. anyway sad for me yeah because i would want a dog yeah you get a parrot instead uh, a little known fact is that the original pirate ship flags were often red Not and black. No, and the term Jolly Roger comes from the French word uh, Jolly Rouge, and it meant there would, and if they saw this, this flag, it meant that there would be no mercy given. Um, so if these ships were going up on yeah. a, uh, and came across this red flag, they normally just like skedaddled because you're done. They, it doesn't matter who you are. You're probably going to get decapitated and kill hauled. And kill, yeah, you'd get kill hauled. You're scraped yep. across the bottom of the ocean. Yep. Um, is this what, this is the thing, is this the thing you texted me about the other day? Yes. Okay, I'm so, so I was, excited and I was rethinking say, my life plans. I was going to, I was going to mention this anyway, but mm-hmm. I forgot it was in the notes. Um, MIT gives like an official pirate certificate to students who complete courses in archery which kind of is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Pistol shooting, which makes sense. Sailing and fencing. Mm-hmm. But then they also give their like, you know, fine print where they say this quote does not give the recipient license to engage in piracy or any other pri- pirate activities. See, I would love that. Can or we? like a um, wizard certificate for classes and um, divination and et cetera. I know. I just, uh, that makes me laugh. I'm I- also like, I also can never get I'm into just, MIT, so. Well, yeah, I'm like, is this just like a like a summer program? Yeah. Like, sign us up if it is. Just a bunch of college students. Like, do you a, have to be enrolled in MIT to Do you have to, to take, take all four courses, or could you just take sailing? No, I imagine you have to do all four. Oh, and wow. sailing, I think, is probably pretty hard. Yeah. Anyway, so right. if you want a pirate certificate. Um, we're coming up on our snack go. break. So I thought that the last fun fact... We could talk about the pirates. It's a good segue. Yeah, 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 yeah. See what I did there? The pirate's drink of choice was called grog. Mm. Maybe we could get some grog later. Mm. Sailors require significant quantities of fresh water, obviously, on these extended voyage voyages. But desalinating seawater was not practical, and I imagine they didn't even know how to do that back uh, then. Yeah, same. Fresh water was taken aboard in these huge casks, but quickly developed algae and became slimy and just, I imagine they didn't even care though, but whatever that, okay. I know I keep having these sad stories at band camp. (laughs) There were these big, big tubs of water and we were so, it would have grass in it. We would share it among like, we had one of the largest bands in the state, everybody drinking out of it. Mm -hmm. There would be grass rocks whatever in in these water things and we did not care and we just drank that water like it was that's how these guys gold yeah anyway you were drinking grog weren't you i i sure was i didn't even know it at the time Uh, stagnant water was sweetened to be more enjoyable with beer or wine to make it palatable which involved more cask and was subject to spoilage so as longer voyages became more common the storage of sailors substantial daily ration of water plus beer or wine became a problem rum gradually replaced beer and brandy as the drink of choice and if it was given to the sailor straight this caused some problems for everybody because you just got a bunch of drunk sailors on board to minimize the this risk of getting drunk or other illnesses illnesses and disciplinary problems the rum was mixed with water which both diluted its effects and accelerated its spoilage you're putting that slimy water mm-hmm. in it and it prevented the hoarding of the allowance so 
there was this guy, I guess, that made, I don't know, I'm just going to say he made pirate rules. Vernon's 1740 order was that the daily rum issue would be half a pint of rum to be mixed with one quart of water. This was like a rule that pirates had to do. Um, a water to rum ratio four to one with half issued before noon and the remainder after the end of the working day. So their alcohol intake was severely monitored by this uh, yeah. Vernon man. And this eventually also became part of the official regulations of the Royal Navy. So again, the, it, there's a lot of gray area between pirates and yeah. Like, yeah, a, a, just, a government <laughs> sanctioned people. Right. Uh, to sweeten the mixture, besides the rum, sailors would also add lemon or citrus, which also help prevent scurvy, which is something I'm sure you've heard of. Pirates get it because they didn't have any vitamin C or any, they didn't eat fruit. Um, and the drink became known as Grog. And the name Grog probably came from the nickname of Admiral Vernon. There he is again, who is known as Old Grog because he wore a Grogman cloak. Old Grog. Fun pirate facts. Da, 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 da. Old Grog. <laughs> We're not we're not gonna drink grog for No, we have our a yummy or snack it's, break. It's better than that. But it is pirate themed. It is pirate themed. So we'll see you in a sec. Snack break. It's a pirate snack break. Today. Today. No grog for you today, but we do have... Uh, I just... Oh my... Did I you just, just have a realization? I did, because they have a they have a flavor called Groggy Joe. Oh. Wow. I did not know. Okay, which, <laughs> my okay. mind's blown. S- sorry, we just I got do, really, we just, really excited. I wonder if they know. No, I bet they do. They and have okay, to. Okay, I just had another... It's called Groggy Joe. I had another revelation. When you wake up in the morning and you're like... You're kind of gr- sleepy <gasps> and you're groggy... It, it that, all makes sense that now. Gif, that gif of Spongebob when he's like the rainbow and he's like... <laughs> That's what just happened. Yeah. Okay, sorry. We got a little excited. So our snack break today is from Expedition Roasters. I love... I am obsessed with all things Disney themed. And their their story is really, really cool. So they have themed coffees. They, they're they the like originators of what they call themed coffees and teas. Mm-hmm. We got the coffee. We didn't do the tea this time. Um... But it's premium coffee beans that are roasted by their artisan roast master. Um, and it's combining their passion for art and story to you, brought to you an experience like no one else. There's truly an adventure in every bag is kind of their slogan. Wow. So it's cool. So they like really, really focus and specialize on like flavors and the story kind of theme around it. So I got excited because this flavor is not one that we got to try groggy joe mm-hmm. is like a very pirate theme the flavor is cocoa rum oh, okay and we just talked about grog so uh-huh. and you're groggy in the morning and it's yeah. coffee wow so i'm actually bummed we didn't get to try this flavor that that's the other thing about them is they have a lot of different like seasonal flavors mm-hmm. and they run out of stuff and you know you have to back order stuff so a lot of the flavors that we were looking at like you know that they, they may or may not be in stock so we didn't get croggy joe but I, i'm but go gonna, get it now i'm gonna go order it now but we did get some delicious flavors we did um we got they sent us voodoo brew which is a black velvet cognac mm-hmm. um so it's more of a dark roast coffee they sent us hook's revenge Ooh, there we go pirates. which is red velvet oh my uh, god so okay. so delicious 
And then they also sent us Ghoulish Delight, which was a Ooh. cinnamon bun flavor. What more could you want? Now, I, I mean, I love, I, I prefer my coffee sweet. Mm-hmm. I think you do too. Like we both are. Yes, like, I like both, mine to taste like hot chocolate. Yeah, we both put, you know, lots of. Copious amounts of creamer. Yes. Um, so these flavors already had a little bit of like a sweet. They yes. were perfect for us because they already had a little bit of a sweetness to them. And they'll be perfect for you, too. Can you tell them where they can go to get them some Expedition Roasters? Yes, you can go to ExpeditionRoasters.com to order. They have a um, subscription club where you can get subscriptions every month. They have a rewards program where each time you order, you get rewards that can help you order more coffee. Um they the two new flavors that you know since since the last time when we ordered this uh, the two new flavors they have groggy joe which i'm just like i'm literally going to order it mm-hmm. right now and then they have another one called beans from outer space and it's a peanut butter flavored mm. coffee go get it follow them on instagram too because they have a cute instagram they do um expedition roasters they're they're just fun they they make coffee fun which we love stories we love storytelling um we obviously drink copious amounts of coffee Uh because you know we like we stay because we're scared and we stay up and we're scared and we we podcast yeah we do so it's they were perfect yes check us out we enjoyed it thanks for sending us the coffee yes thank you and we'll be we'll be trying some more Uh, yes for sure i mean every every time they just have all these different themes that work for all of our different episodes right we'll have to we'll have to do more later we will but now it's time to get into some true crime yikes It's that time. It's that time where we talk about some true crime that relates to the folklore we just covered in the first half of the episode. Which at first we kind of, I don't I don't know what was wrong with us. We kind of were like, what kind of true crime are we going to do? And then we were like, duh. Did it. We're, so today we're covering a crime that happened on a cruise ship. Classic. So a, not a, a pirate, cri- not a crime a pirate ship, but a mm-hmm. crime at sea. And this story, I have, have you ever been on a cruise? I have not. I'm, I have not either, which I, makes us great people for this story. Great insight. But. Okay, but I think it's stuff like this that's like why I don't like to go I on I will cruises. never, well, first of all, I get really, I can't do boats, um, seasickness. But second of all, sketchy stuff it happens does. on cruise ships all the time. There and are lawyers. Go, and you can't go anywhere. I mean, right. like you're trapped. Yeah. Lawyers specialize in maritime Yeah, I'm not doing things. that. Yeah. I'm not. Not yeah. even the Disney cruise. Not even for free. We're not doing I'm it. Not, I don't, yeah. Well, today we are going to be discussing, it's one of the most infamous crimes to ever happen on a cruise ship, and that is, right now I'm going to say the disappearance of George Smith IV, because he he's very clearly deceased, but the, his body was never found. Spoiler, spoiler alert. So, right now we're going to say disappearance, but are you ready um yeah do you like that picture right there it's gruesome okay just keep that in mind just lots of blood we'll post picture pictures on our instagram um go look at them you'll know what we're talking about have a better idea but george smith the fourth was 26 years old when he disappeared from the royal caribbean brilliance of the seas on july 5th 2005 so So even not that long ago not that long ago also everybody like knows the royal caribbean that's a famous famous yeah. yeah From all accounts, George was 
as we always say. They, they always are. Uh-huh. Super nice guy. He was also attractive. He was a ladies' man. He had a very good upbringing. His family was wealthy. He did go to college and majored in business, I believe, but all of his kind of um, quest failed, so he ended up just inheriting his father's liquor store, which is not there, a bad gig. No, there's another little pirate connection uh-huh. for you. He yeah. probably sold Captain Morgan there. There you go, and some grog. And some grog. He eventually fell in love with a beautiful blonde named Jennifer Hagel. Together, they're just booked to attract people. They were an attractive couple, but she also seemed to have a really good life and was aspiring to be a teacher, so you know the type. Every Me. Right. That didn't even, like, compute in my head. Um, everyone knew that everyone knew the couple said that they were of course totally in love and just meant to be together perfect for each other it was no surprise that within three years into dating which is pretty you know i feel like that's a good amount of time they got engaged and became married so they got married in newport new hampshire it was a beautiful wedding day, very expensive, very fancy wedding. Side note, I felt like this was foreshadowing. It they were I was looking at pictures and the whole wedding venue was overlooking the ocean, which oh, is yeah. mm-hmm. dun dun dun. They were both very excited about their honeymoon. There it is. They had planned a Mediterranean cruise and in late June of two thousand five they traveled to Barcelona to get on the cruise ship, the Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas. I saw in one thing I was watching where they said that he told his family, like, I'm going on this cruise. I'm going to live it up. No one call me unless someone dies. So. Which, I get, okay. In, I've in said some that res- before. I was about to say, well, I, I was about to say in some respects, I get, like, not not because I was, like, you know, living it up, like, doing something crazy. But, like, when you just got married, you do want to spend time. Right. I mean, it probably would have been nicer if he was, like, hey, I want to spend time with my new wife and mm-hmm. not, not the whole I'm going to live it up side of things. But, right. like, you know. It's just weird that he mentioned the, like, don't call me in some less someone dies, and then he And then he's the one. Yeah. They were having a blast on the cruise. They made friends with another couple on the boat named Paul and Glena, which reminds me of that office episode where Pam and Jim make friends with Frank and Reigns. They made many stops in several different cities. That's kind of what a cruise does. So they were in Barcelona first. They went to the French Riviera. Their picture, they took tons of pictures. They were just looking happy, having a grand old time. Usually when they would get back on the ship at night, they would do the same thing, which would be go eat, get a couple drinks, and then hit up the casino. July 5th was no different. George and Jennifer had a great day in Mykonos. You know, sounds wonderful. He was particularly excited about Greek food and really excited about Mykonos. And then I saw this weird side note that they met Tara Reid while they were out and about in Mykonos, and he was super pumped about that. Isn't she an adult film star? I think so. Oh, okay. Uh, when they got back that night, they went to the casino and they were bouncing around from table to table playing different games. Sometimes they would sp- split up because George, is it the name of the game? George liked craps. Is that the name of the game or mm-hmm. is it crabs? No, I think it's craps. Okay. <laughs> I've never played, but I think that's it. Craps? Yeah. Craps. Yeah. It's kind of like crappy, the crappie and like the fish. Yeah. Mm. Anyways, and Jennifer uh, liked blackjack. I obviously have never been to a casino in my life. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Don't know anything. Uh, by the end of the night, it was said that both Jennifer and George were heavily intoxicated. Which, again, I, I feel like that's not surprising for no. a cruise. I feel like that's what that's right. just what people do. George had a history of being a lightweight when it came to drinking. <gasps> Mary. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer 
said that they later or Jennifer later said that they typically weren't the people to go out to bars and drink, but they were again and, on their honeymoon. They were living it up. And didn't you inherit a liquor store? I mean, right. That's not those two things don't necessarily I didn't even go think hand about in that, hand. But, but it's yeah. not like it's not like he's brand new to this world. Mm-hmm. On this particular night, Paul and Glena, you know, their ship friends, had noticed that George appeared more drunk than he had the entire time he was on the cruise. And he was so drunk that they reportedly like pulled him to the side and they were like, Look, bruh, you might need to, to just go, to go, go in. Yeah, go ahead, go to sleep. We'll see you in the morning. He did not do that, unfortunately. While Paul and Glena said that both George and Jennifer, Jennifer appeared drunk, there were other accounts that didn't match this. So there was this older couple at the casino who spoke to Jennifer around 2.30, which what older, you know, I'm thinking like our parents' no, age, they don't stay up till 2.30 in the morning. Oh, no, no. But I, but also, I don't know what they do on cruises. They could become totally different people. They could. That's true. Um, they, they spoke to her at 2.30 in the morning on July 5th, and they reported that Jennifer did not seem drunk or tipsy, or even tipsy. She was completely coherent. So we're going to keep that in the back of the mind because either they were wrong or right after that, she got completely inebriated, blackout drunk. So we're going to keep that in mind. Everything seemed to be normal. Every, you know, they finished out their night um, until that morning at 730 when the ship uh, made port in Turkey. At that time, there was a 16-year-old girl named Emily Roush um, went out on her balcony early that morning looked down and saw a massive blood stain on one of the canopies that covered the lifeboat. So that's the picture that's I had it, yeah. for you. And I'm imagining, imagining like a poor girl too. Yeah. Like a not flat surface, but the, it was a very flat surface. And like I said, we'll post pictures. This blood stain is massive and it kind of looks like the shape of a human body yeah, to me. Yeah, it did. With the help of her parents. She, also, I don't, my mind never goes to the obvious. I would probably look at that and be like, Oh, they were, cutting up their, our, uh, our fish that we're gonna no, eat tonight I, I mean i kind of thought the same thing when you first see that if you've ever seen i mean if you've ever been near water uh-huh. or like boats or restaurants or things like that like there is a lot of blood and guts from the fish that uh-huh. they're bringing in so right. i feel like you could chalk it up as that yeah with the help of her parents she called the authorities and the ship went into somewhat of a lockdown mode see that's why i don't want to be on a boat nope. i don't want to go on lockdown mode. no thank you the authorities were able to track down who was missing pretty easily because they narrowed down the search to the rooms that were above the blood stain. Also, there had been a call early in the morning to file a noise complaint coming from George and Jennifer's room, which we'll get to in a little bit. But by process of elimination, they figured out um, who it was. But they went up to the Smith's room. They uh, No one was there. They eventually found Jennifer, who was at the spa. She had a pre-planned appointment at 8 a.m. that morning uh, for her and George to get a couple's massage. She woke up and and he wasn't there. And apparently one of the other nights on the trip, he fell asleep in one of their friend's rooms. So she didn't think it was a big deal that he was missing and just didn't even try and contact him. Hey, it's our honeymoon and we have a a couple's massage, but I'm just going to go by myself because you're probably hungover somewhere. Right. And we'll get to it later. There's some people that say they got in a fight, so maybe she was pissed. Yeah. But also, if you're inebriated the night before, there is not a chance. How did you get up at 8 a.m. and go to a spa? Yeah. The girl girl likes the deal. She's like, I already paid for this. Yeah. We're doing it. Uh, Like I said, they didn't find anything or anyone in the Smith's room. The police take her in and interview her. And the first thing she says is that she's confused because she does not remember literally anything from the previous night. She said that after she left the casino, everything from then on out was a complete blur. 
come to find out she and George had been drinking absinthe, which oh, I found yeah. out was like outlawed in some countries. Can yeah. you drink absinthe here? I don't know. I feel like I've you can. never, I've never seen it like on a menu. Right. Like, because it makes people hallucinate. Yeah. And, and, and they had to sneak of, it on the ship. I like, think of that episode of new girl where they go out to the cabin and they drink absinthe yeah. and they're just all like, right. Tripping the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, staff found her early that morning passed out in a corridor on the same floor they were on the ninth floor her and george's room but opposite the opposite hall from where her room was so she was so drunk that she somehow got up to the ninth floor and then they she passed out on the floor that's how drunk we are and we we still woke up the next morning and And went went to a spa spa appointment so (laughs) whatever floats your boat at this point, they bring in Paul and Glena in for questioning, and they said that they had not seen George since he, they, you know, they told him, you need to go relax in your room, you're too drunk. The security on the ship easily surmised that George had gone overboard, and based on the amount of blood that they found, they assumed that he was no longer alive, which, yes. Yeah. Jennifer, they call Jennifer, they found her at the spa, they tell her what's going on, she immediately panics, obviously. She calls her dad and tells him that they need he needed to get in touch with George's parents and tell them what's going on. She's alone. She just lost her husband. She's going crazy. She's seemingly at a loss for what to do. I can understand. Mm-hmm. They quickly ruled out suicide, even though he did have a history of depression and panic disorder. He was taking Klonopin and Zoloft, and it was managing his mental health problems. He never had any suicidal ideation, anything like that. So that was... Um, I almost said thrown out the window, and that was a really... <laughs> Even though, aren't those things you're not supposed to combine that with, like, tons of alcohol? Correct. Okay. The, it'll, or, like, or double your like amount absinthe. of... <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. And I didn't even think about that. That's probably why we were so inebriated. And, and we'll get to more of that later, but... They narrowed down that George was a person missing, and once they did this, the Turkish police and the U.S. consulate were notified... The Turkish authorities boarded the ship and began their, I'm going to do air quotes, investigation. Because in my opinion, it was a very botched, crappy job. But also imagine this, like some boat that's not yours. It's Uh not from your country. It's not your, I mean, you get a little bit of like commerce and like from the, you know, excursion that they do. But like, I wouldn't want to investigate somebody somebody else's problem. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. They started questioning everyone. Uh, anyone that George had been in touch with that night. And it comes up that George had and Jennifer were also hanging out with these four guys, these young guys uh, that included Josh Askin, who was an American college student. Well, I really just screwed that up. Uh, Three Russian Americans who included cousins, Zach and George Rosenberg, and then their friend, Rusty Kaufman. The four men were brought to the lobby to be interviewed, and this is when a lot of weird stuff slash stories started popping up. The four men said that they had been at the casino with George and Jennifer, and, you know, they mingled, talked, whatever. But at 2.30, when the casino was closing, George and these four guys decided that they were going to take the elevator and go up to the disco, because the disco stayed open till 3.30. This is also what boggles me about cruises mm-hmm. we got casinos we got discos is we got absinthe is there something that stays open past the disco probably uh, according to josh he noticed this is just a side note something strange was going on between jennifer and the casino manager whose name was lloyd and other people on the ship noticed this lloyd was putting his arm around jennifer she looked like she was liking it which other people said she uh, jennifer appeared to be flirting with multiple people on the ship but which if she's drunk i wouldn't be surprised right if, nothing ever comes of this but 
Lloyd, Lloyd sounded like a little bit of a creepster. Anyway, the guys, including George, are up at the disco doing disco things, and they snuck in some absinthe and were taking shots of this. And this was after they had drank a lot in the casino, so I'm surprised none of them, like, died of alcohol poisoning. Seriously. According to Rusty Kaufman, Jennifer and George got into an argument while at the disco, and he couldn't tell exactly what they were arguing about, but Jennifer got very angry and kicked George in the nuts, essentially. And she left George there at the disco, and I guess this is when she attempted to go up to her room very uh, inebriated. After she kicked George, she stormed out, and... Some people said they saw Creepy Lloyd following her. This gets debunked later. But uh, so 3.30 rolls around. The disco's closing. And George is so drunk at this point that he was slumped over in a chair, essentially passed out. And the four men helped George up to his room on the ninth floor. And this is where all the weird stuff starts happening. Yeah, after the absinthe and disco, which is yeah. weird in and of itself. Yeah, and how are the- they helping him? How are they also not passed out? According to the ship's key log, George's key was used to get into his room at 3.52 a.m., which matches the story so far. So they leave the disco at around 3.30. It probably takes them 20 minutes to, to get, get up a to drunk man up to yeah. the ninth floor. Yeah. For four drunk men to get a drunk man up to the ninth floor. <laughs> right. They said that when they got to the room, Jennifer was not there. That's because she was passed out down the hall. George started to panic, and he and the guys got into a discussion about if they should go look for Jennifer or not, which, why is that even a discussion with four teenage boys? I just, like, I'm going to go look for my wife. Eventually, they agreed to go out and search for Jennifer, but they only checked the ship's solarium, and then they brought George back to his room by 4.01. So, approximately 10 minutes, they supposedly had a debate, got a drunk man out of the room, down to the solarium, were looking around. And, and then up. returned to the room in 10 minutes. That just doesn't make sense. Which is a trip that took them 20 minutes right. before. Right. They said that they put George in bed, took off his shoes, and then returned to their rooms to have a room service party. And this was supposedly their alibi for when George disappeared. And they said they ordered just a buttload of food, uh, mostly including tuna sandwiches, which was a really odd note. But they were very specific and that they ordered tuna sandwiches. But that's also, that's not an alibi. I can order room service and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean, I mean, you have to be in your room for five seconds for you to get the room service yep. food into your room and then you can leave. That's not an alibi. Well, they thought it was a good one. So the initial interview of the men by the Royal Caribbean Security and the Turkish police was secretly recorded by Josh's father. You can find those videos on YouTube. The The Caribbean security were, like, roasting them. Like, you're going to tell me now what happened. It's very scary. Uh, the, also, they couldn't understand, like, anything the Turkish police were saying. But uh, <laughs> the police then looked into the noise complaint from the night before. And the person that made the noise complaint was actually a deputy police chief who was on vacation. And his room was located directly beside George and Jennifer's. So I'm going to trust that guy yeah, he over, knows the, what, over the four yes, drunk college kids. He knows what he's talking about. He said that he woke up at 4 a.m. to what sounded like a drinking game with a lot of people. He said this turned into what sounded like an argument, not necessarily yelling and such, but definitely a disagreement. He said the argument continued to the balcony where he heard a male voice say repeatedly, good night, good night, good night, like he was trying to get someone out of the room, which is sheesh. And then there was silence for several minutes. He then heard cabinets in the room being opened and slammed shut and furniture being moved around. There were several more moments of silence, and then he heard what he described as a horrifying thud noise. That's George. Yeah, that sure is George. (laughs) That's That's George. George. Let's put that on a t-shirt. 
except let's not because that's sad because George passed, but it could mean my cat George, so we might do it. This was assumed to be the sound of George falling over the railing and onto the lifeboat. The, men said, the man said that he then opened the door to look down the hall and saw three men leave the room, which is strange because if you remember, there's four guys in this little posse. So did one of them, was one of them still in the room, like cleaning up what they did? Or did one just leave early? I don't know. It's just weird that he only saw three of them. Maybe they sent the one to, to get, the, get room. the room service. Yeah, could yeah. be. Security eventually got to the Smith's room sometime between 4.20 and 4.30 for the noise complaint. And when they got there, they didn't hear anything. So they didn't knock on the door, check anything. They just turned around and left. Doesn't sound like a good idea. Yeah, it sounds like bad security. Uh, There was still a question at this time where Jennifer was during all of this. And they found out that um, she, you know, there was that thing where they said Lloyd followed her out. But they found out that um, Lloyd left the disco before she did before um jennifer did and was going back to his girlfriend's room anyway they cleared him he he, he wasn't doing anything well, Acqu- she and she was just passed out in the hallway wasn't she mm-hmm. yeah according to the witnesses and staff jennifer was so drunk leaving the casino that they had to help her get on the elevator and they watched her get off the elevator on the ninth floor and she started to walk in the wrong direction i guess they were like well they're like set well, her free at cut her wings at least she's on her <laughs> at least she's on her floor oh yeah i don't get that she was found at 4.30 on the opposite side of the ship from her room, passed out, and security had to put her in a wheelchair and escort her back to her room. And she yes. still made that 8 a.m. spa appointment. Who? She's a trooper. She's she was like, like, she probably needed it at that point. She says, time to rally the troops, boys. And she just chugged a whole thing of water and coffee and made it to the appointment. She got her some grog. This At this time, when she was put back in her room, no one was in there at this point. Nothing, nothing seemed wrong. There was no sign of a struggle, blah, blah, blah. Turkish, Turkish authorities uh, eventually did their own investigation, which I said, well, again, it wasn't... Their quotes investigation? Yeah. Uh, this investigation of the room only took several hours, and as soon as they were done, they opened the room up back to be cleaned up. It was cleaned up by mm-hmm. the... Yeah. Um, yeah. Cleaned up yeah. all the evidence. Clean, clean up the crime scene. Um, there were also, during this investigation, the only uh, weird thing where there were two very small blood drops found on the bed linen, but if they, like... I don't know if they hit him or did something to cause that amount of blood that's found on the patio yeah. thing. Then I don't understand. There why would be showing. way more blood in the room. Yeah, but the room was, if uh, again we'll post pictures, very disheveled. Looked like somebody like had ransacked the room. Jennifer, um, being the lovely company that they are, when they uh, were leaving Turkey, because the, the crews had to keep going. There were people that right. were paying for it. They were like, "We got to keep the this show thing rolling." Must go on. So they left. Uh, Jennifer and Turkey dropped her off at the port. I, I heard one thing where Absolutely they had taken not. taken all her clothes in for evidence. So they gave her like a Royal Caribbean t-shirt and then like just said, see you later. This is, it's just odd. Um, she had no money. She had to call her dad who wired her money. And so she could get a flight back home. Back on the ship, the ship kept going. The four men continued to build a bad reputation for themselves. They had already gotten into trouble for bringing booze into different places. They were also known to be verbally aggressive towards staff members. And two days after George disappeared, an 18-year-old girl brought forward a pretty alarming accusation. Uh-oh. She said that one night she got blackout drunk and ended up in the Russian-American's room. And she said that they sexually assaulted her while filming it. Ew. They, These guys are bad news. Yeah. They detained all of the men and were told that they would be kicked off the ship when the ship got to Naples. Again, again, this is the like scary thing about me about these boats is like they're just dropping people off left yeah. and right. They just drop off their problems. And yeah, they're like, off. all right, Turkey, you got <laughs> these. Naples, you got these four. Yep. Yeah. Just like I wonder how many. It's like they just like put people in the brig and then 
believe him. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Authorities in Naples did nothing about the rape allegations. They really couldn't because they said it was not under their jurisdiction because where did this rape happen on what part of the water? It's just, that's all very confusing. And I need to do more research into what... Maritime law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not only was the rape supposedly filmed, but the boys were also uh, talking about George and mocking his death. At the end of the conversation on this, the, Greg apparently threw up a gang sign and said, I told you I was gangster. Ew. Yeah. Greg. <laughs> Your name is Greg. Okay. Uh, the FBI eventually gets involved, and they question the guys in front of a grand jury. The boys were sticking to their story, though, and their alibi wasn't really checking out. Because remember, they said they went back to the, the room, room and ordered service. room sor- service. But according to records from the kitchen... No food was ordered that night, and no food was delivered. And maybe, okay, maybe they didn't log it if there was an error in that. But if your kitchen staff at 3 a.m. in the morning or whatever time it was. a buttload of tuna sandwiches. I would be pissed if I had to make a bunch of tuna sandwiches at 3 a.m. in the morning. Right. None of them remember this, so that's alarming. Also, an employee heard Josh say, he was the American college student, I know a lot more than they think I know. These guys almost got me arrested in Turkey. So this, he's going to pin it on the yeah. on the three Russian-American people. Right. Sounds like it. The boys' lawyers eventually told them to evoke their Fifth Amendment and remain silent. And Josh and Zach were really the only two to follow this advice. Rusty still answered question, but questions, but mostly said he couldn't remember when asked specific questions, which that's probably true because you were chugging on the absinthe. But Greg... Greg, old Greg, he likes to talk. And he, when they found him for his deposition, he was in a Florida prison at this point for drug trafficking. I'm going to vote Greg on this one. Uh Uh-huh. All four guys took polygraph tests. Three failed, and Greg's came back inconclusive. And Jennifer also took a polygraph test and passed. Which apparently, like, uh, polygraphs coming back as inconclusive is very common. Right. Inconclusive is is a very common result. Right. And polygraph also, tests I are think, just like not permissible in a court th- of law. And I think, right. And I think Greg's just probably like a psychopath that mm-hmm. could, could take one of these and like get away with it. Side note, Greg also has ADHD, which could skew his results on the polygraph, but his answers were just suspicious. He never said like, no, I did not kill them, but would just give answers explaining why he couldn't do it. Like, you know, if they asked him, did you do it? And he's like, I'm a nice guy. How could I do that? Instead of just saying no. He'd answer their question with a question. Uh-huh. One question. why per- it was inconclusive because right. you're not supposed to answer it that way. <laughs> One question in particular seemed to bother him when they asked him if there was anything found in their room or the Smith's room that could connect him to the crime. He took like a 10, 12 second pause. Looks like he was about to panic and then quickly said no. Because he's probably thinking, oh crap. They've he already either found something and they're about to roast me, or like, did I leave something? So that was suspicious. But in the end, in 2015, the FBI closed the case because they said that they did not have enough evidence. Which that's 10 years, right? This happened mm-hmm. in 2005. They closed it in 2015. Right. And like I said, they couldn't go back. The The Turkish police room service. did a, yeah. <laughs> they did a like two hour look of the room and then they were, it was allowed to be cleaned up. And also the blood spatter on the canvas was painted over and just. There wasn't really anything they could look back on. His family was obviously very upset by this and hired their own people to investigate. And here's some of the things they found. Like I said, they were not pleased that the Royal Caribbean had painted over the blood on the canvas of the lifeboat. But, I mean, 
they couldn't leave off it. They kept going on the ship. They couldn't uh, yeah, just have this huge blood stain. In early pictures of the crime scene, like I said, there were two small blood drops on the bed. Um, this was never investigated other than just saying, like, they're there. What was that from? They, they could have tested to see if it was somebody else. Like, mm-hmm. it could have been one of those other boys' blood. And it honestly, in the picture, it does look like splatter, but it's just two drops. But so that's interesting. Like, from like a punch or like something. Yeah, I don't know. There was a camera facing the side of the ship where George's balcony was, but there was uh, nothing to point that this camera was ever checked. There's no I was, video. I was thinking that. Or, were there not, I mean, 2005, were there not cameras? Yeah, on they're, this boat? they're everywhere. And there's like pictures of them in the casino, but other than that, not really anything. So, again, suspicious. Uh-huh, I don't like that. The biggest theory is, of course, that George and Jennifer were targeted. Like I said in the beginning, he came from a wealthy family. Uh, he There was also, I forget what the watch is called, but he had some, not a Rolex, but a really expensive watch on that kind of could point to the fact that he was wealthy. Um, neither of them were big drinkers, but they both apparently got completely obliterated. Oh, so and people think they were... Could like, have been drugged and then taken to the room. And then all that shuffling of drawers and cabinets could have been the boys searching for... Them. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to falling over the railing of the balcony, the railing on those cruise ships are... Well, I don't know about all of them, but this one was four feet high and would have been di- very difficult to just fall over. And they make that that way for a reason. Right. Because they know people are going to be drinking on these boats. So yeah. They're, they're going to want to intentionally make it to where everybody's not just like falling over every right. time they go look at the sunset. So just straight up falling over, like leaning onto it and falling over, it just seems impossible to me. The distance from the balcony to the awning of the lifeboat was 21 feet. And that sounds like, I don't know, I don't, I'm not an investigator, but would it cause just a fall cause that much blood? And also, if you're looking at that picture, it doesn't look like he fell and then was dragged. That's what I was just about to say. Why, why was his body not still there? If it was like a flat canopy surface? Yeah. I, I, I guess they're saying it hit it and then bounced off, but I don't think bodies bounce. I don't, I'm trying. <laughs> I don't want to think right? about bounce. Yeah. I don't, I don't I think mean, they do that. But, but there's I guess also no drag canopy marks. Thing, I know. But I guess if it's the canopy thing and if the wave... Like, if it hit a big wave. But there would be roll marks where he rolled yeah, off. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. So, I don't know. I do not know. Um, write in to let us know what your thoughts on that. I imagine if you fell 21 feet, you would have a lot of broken bones, maybe. And, and maybe if you hit your head or something. But, again, it, if it was, like, a tarp, he's not hitting, like, a hard surface. Uh, I don't know. I don't it's know. Mystery. It's up for debate. Jennifer and George's parents stopped speaking after a while. Jennifer was the owner of George's estate, and she settled, ended up settling with the Royal Caribbean behind his parents' backs, and this caused the parents to lose some of the connections they had, as well as the evidence and witnesses. It just messed up their further investigation. Now, George's parents are offering a $100,000 reward to anyone who can bring forth information on the case. Dang. It is still a mystery to this day. George is probably... I'm just going to say, like, 99.9% sure he is deceased in the ocean somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And um, that was... It was Greg. It was freaking Greg. It was Greg. It was him. That is our true crime today, brought to you from the sea. From the Caribbean. Lessons from today. Don't go on the Royal Caribbean. Don't do that. Don't do cruise ships. They're sketchy. If you do... I I don't think I can... My David's parents lo- or grandparents love cruises. Oh, really? They do, and I—I I mean, I like the whole I, idea of like a free, all-inclusive. You know, I need land. Yeah, I do too. 
I don't like feeling trapped. But also, if you are going to go on a uh, cruise, how about you don't drink absinthe yeah, don't, and hang yeah. out with a bunch of random people that you, people don't, you know. don't know while you drink the absinthe. Just don't do it. Yeah. Drink you drink you some Expedition Roasters also, instead. Yeah, right. Avoid the grog. Avoid the absinthe. Mm-hmm. Get you some Expedition Roasters. Specifically, specifically, the Groggy Joe is what's next on our list. Do it. Um, I actually have no idea what we're doing for the next episode, but... It's a mystery. I'm sure it'll be fun. and It will be. You can uh, check us out at uh, Scary Tales Podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We uh, post pictures You'll from the episodes. Yeah. We post a spoiler alert, or not spoiler. I, I like every, the Tuesday before we release the episode, I like to post a picture of a hint as like to what teaser. the next episode yeah, is going to be about. Um, we do, uh, we have little um, polls and things that are fun to participate in. But until next time, let's close them out with a song. Hit it with them. You got it. Dead man tells no tales. <laughs> That's actually very they, fitting. They, That's actually very fitting for the second half they, of this episode. Yes. Oh, I know. Um, anyway. Oh, beep. Did you hear that beep? That, that's, oh, let's just close that it means out. it's time to go. Time to go. See y'all next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Um, oh, well, real quick. I'm going to go back and forth and um, say as many pirate things that we can think of. Ready? Shiver me timbers. Parrots. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> say, I don't know. Sayings. Oh, yo-ho, yo-ho. Ahoy, matey. I don't know a lot of these. I- Parlay. I don't know any. I'm a horrible pirate. Okay. Well, bye-bye. <laughs>